Hello and welcome to the Clinical Audit and Improvement Podcast from AMAT, the audit management and tracking tool which is developed in partnership with our users. I'm Don Conlon and today I'll be talking about COVID from its impact on clinical audit to the question of whether we're getting back to normal. I have two guests with me today and I'm excited to hear about their experiences and their insights that both organisations have very different remits. Welcome first to Charlotte Butters from Derbyshire Community Health Services NHS Foundation Trust. With a clinical background in physiotherapy, Charlotte worked in both acute and community organisations before joining DCHS in 2009. She's also been part of the Improvement, Innovation and Effectiveness team, where she helped to support teams across the organisation to lead and manage their own clinical audit, service evaluation and QI projects, as well as helping to coordinate participation in national audits. Welcome also to Joanne Henson. Joanne joins me from Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust, where she's been since 2004. Joanne worked in several roles, including complaints assistant, service effectiveness assistant, clinical auditor, and data quality analyst until 2017, when she took on her current role of clinical audit lead. She now helps to engage clinical staff in clinical audit, IPC audit, and CQC self-assessments, as well as with national audits and the Junior Doctors Audit Programme. So hello, both of you. It's fantastic that you're joining me today. So we're going to be discussing the first post-pandemic impact. But I think the best place to start is way back in the, uh, in the misty days of 2020, when COVID first began to disrupt absolutely everything. Joanne, would you mind uh, kind of building a picture of the initial response that you saw from, to COVID from a clinical audit point of view? How did it, you and your colleagues start responding? What did you think? So when we first um, were advised, obviously, of the pandemic and started the homeworking process with the Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust, myself and my team were all redeployed full time to support frontline services. Um, we took on a variety of different roles. I worked in the temporary staffing office where I work evenings and weekends, but other members of the team took on roles such as part, becoming part of the home swabbing team, um, clinical receptionists. Um, supporting a vaccination centre and there was a wide range of different things that we supported with. Obviously during this period clinical audit was put on the back burner for us and as a trust and as an organisation but we still had to pick this up in the background. There were still national audits to get involved in and AMAP was also um, about a year into the progression of Maisie Care so we still had that um, and the CQC self-assessments to progress with. Although um, the audit was on hold as such, we were trying to juggle between both roles and we feel that we managed this as much as we can um, and received um, a lot of support from senior management for the way that we got involved with the redeployment process. Um, Following the full-time redeployment, we then moved to one-day week redeployment um, after about the first three to four months where we slowly got ourselves back into clinical order and managing the AMAT system. So over the two years, as Dom has said, um, until like to date, there has been times where a trust has gone back into business continuity, which then again, we have um, picked up the redeployment and supposed to be necessary. It has been very challenging for us and trying to um, balance the two roles. But we have got a wider team now since merging with colleagues um, from North West Boroughs um, who have become part of our mid Maisie division. And so we do have a wider team now to support, which is um, very useful, especially with mandated audits, if we have to support with other teams. Wow. 
So massive change and, and redeployment as well. What about you, Charlotte? I mean, was this kind of a similar picture? Very similar, yes. So um, uh, as as Joanne's already alluded to, um, audits were paused both nationally and locally. So the national audits, many of them, or the ones that our organisation participates in, were paused. Um, some continued data collection, but in a supportive manner to teams, sort of, if you have capacity to do this, we're not going to stop you from inputting. Um, but teams weren't under any pressure to continue. So certainly things like um, the, the Sentinel Stroke National Audit Programme continued data collection. And I know our early supported stroke discharge teams continued with that. But some of the others we 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 were able to, to, to pause on um, uh, for example, the National Audit of Care at the End of Life. Um, and um, likewise, our local audit programme was was paused as well. So in fact, as Joanne's um, said, our team were all redeployed as well. So um, uh, a lot of our assistants were supporting um, the PPE delivery and rollout um, and stock control was something that we, we started and set up. Um, I... Uh, was redeployed back into a clinical role um, initially um, as a physio and another of my colleagues was out supporting um, a community team lead. Um, our data analysts, one one of them was supporting um, sort of the HR response and doing some data work with them um, in in how we how we responded as an organisation and where all our staff were and how we could manage that redeployment program across the organisation and wider. Um, so yes, we were all out doing other things, but um, uh, I think probably in the summer when things were start we were starting to see how things were panning out. Um, and there then became a requirement for, for example, we needed to implement a new hand hygiene audit. Um, certainly, I wasn't needed in my clinical role at the time, so um, came back into the team because obviously the PPE stuff was still ongoing. So um, I came back into um, my day job <laughs> with <laughs> clinical effectiveness. Um, and uh, yes, in fact, it was a bit of a silver lining for us because um, we had only recently procured AMAT um, at the back end of 2019. So we were, as a team, learning about it, but hadn't rolled it out to the organisation at that at the point when uh, everything sort of imploded. Um, and uh, and actually, the the pandemic offered us an opportunity to relaunch a hand hygiene audit using AMAT and to, to launch that to, to the organisation. And it was actually a real golden opportunity um, for us uh, in many ways. Wow. So this this idea of, a, I'm interested to, to learn a bit more about the the, the effects of, of shifting away from audits, of, of having to stop certain activities. How did that kind of then, have you noticed effects since that you're, you're playing catch up or? I definitely have. Um, I, I think there is an element of um, sort of catching up with things that, that we were doing previously. But actually, I think what's been really interesting is how I feel a little bit like it's re-energised things a little um, because we've had that opportunity to stop doing things um, that we were doing and then 
where, as we've reintroduced stuff, we've we've been able, and and I think clinicians have been able to take the opportunity to to, to sort of reevaluate some of the projects and all. And and I'm start we're starting to talk in terms of projects rather than just clinical audit now. Um, and I think it's given people that opportunity to, to, to look at it and go, why are we doing this? Why is it important? And certainly the improvement, innovation and effectiveness team within DCHS, where we look at audit centrally, it's given that team the opportunity to sort of change the focus of how, how we um, steer audit and, and improvement now. Um, in our organisation and how we support our clinical colleagues to, to, to use, for example, audit as a, as a quality improvement tool. Um, and actually, is this audit adding value? What are we doing it for? Or are we just collecting data for data's sake? Um, and if that's the case, why are we doing that? And should we stop? And I think actually... So, so what I've seen is is a change in people's attitude a little. I mean, yeah, okay, sometimes some some things. There's always going to be a bit of a um, sort of groan, if you like, around around the mandatory must dos. Um, but people are seeing the value a little bit more because we've been able to explain why is it important. So, for example, with a hand hygiene audit, which can can become a bit of a mundane task um and a bit of a bit of a, a a chore sometimes actually what what this has given us is well this is the reason that we need to do this why is hand hygiene so important well it's never more important than when you're dealing with a, a, a significant pressure caused by infection and how do we reduce infection transmission hand hygiene's at the heart of that so do we need to check that everybody's following our hand hygiene guidance yes of course we do and it and using amat has allowed us to then get teams on board with that because they can instantly see what their scores are and be trying to sit trying to improve trying to get better and oh i want my score to be up in the green you know yeah so it's changed people's attitude a little bit i think and i think that's certainly i'm interested in that change of attitude actually but first joanne Tell us about your experiences in a, in a similar kind of thing. Because I saw you nodding a lot there. Yeah, know? no, I agree with what Charles has said. I mean, I think we've seen a change of attitude. We've got like a wide suite of um, IPC audits, which the teams do complete. And I think there has been the research in that. And obviously, with the functionality of AMAT, our data quality, uh, our data analyst uh, KSD has worked really hard to like um, work with the IPC team and get this suite of audits across the trust that all um, teams and wards can take part in. Also with the change of attitude with us being redeployed it's allowed us to build um, relationships with clinical staff as we're not a clinical team ourselves we're based in the corporate division so I think being redeployed you get more of an experience of what it's like to work in a clinical service and helping out clinical services realising how short staffed they are and what their priorities are so I think although the attitude has changed in terms of clinical audit I think our attitude has changed because I think our eyes have been opened um, to the situations that um, our colleagues are facing. Obviously, when you're in the office, you, you know so much, and I think it has like opened people's eyes to like the situation. You know, completing audits, and now we do have the functionality to complete them on a mat. They can be completed on like a tablet and handheld system, and it really speeds up the process for clinicians. You know, there could be like one computer 
on the world available. They've got other means of doing things. So I do think, you know, that is like positive. I would say that was positive as well. That's really interesting that I've not thought about how, because I hear a lot from uh, clinical auditors about how the, the convincing other staff the need for clinical audit, but how redeployment has actually helped from your own from seeing other, their point of view as well. Uh, so that's a, that's a, that is a, a lovely kind of um, effect of it. And so going back to the um, the kind of uh, the, the learning from uh, from from audit and saying how things were changed and how the attitudes have changed. So it seemed to me at the time, and I, very much on the outside uh, back then, that the general public was getting information from absolutely every healthcare system in the world. We were seeing it on the news all the time about how different countries were responding and everybody was kind of going through very rapid PDSA cycles. So what was what was it like for you? Were you kind of able to pick up and go, oh, that's interesting what they're doing? Or were you very, what can we do simply as a trust and not, not looking outside of that? I'd love to say that we were looking outside and doing all this fantastic stuff. But actually, I think when you're in the thick of it, we had to be focused on what we were doing. We we were we were still, a, I mean, particularly over the two, nearly two years, we were quite a, a small team because a lot of our staff were still redeployed. So we, we were relying on a much smaller number of people in our in our team to, to sort of support um, the, the the processes that we were starting to reintroduce. It wasn't till September 2021 that um, our team came back together. I don't know, maybe it was September. I, do you know, this is the trouble. I've lost track of the years. Yeah, yeah. honestly, it's like a big gap, isn't it? That time just got muddied, yeah. It was, it was quite a long time before we all came back together and we were all back in our normal roles, if you like. So... I think we had to focus a little bit more internally. But what was interesting, I think, was that because because the the pandemic opened a lot of doors that had previously been barriers. So, for example, some unblocking some of those um, digital solutions, particularly cross organisation. So um, a good example is with our um, outpatient physio and MSK service, having access to some of the imaging and uh, both seeing results and and being able to refer people for, for imaging and, and onward, onward tests and referrals had been a bit of a barrier. But suddenly that, that door, that barrier disappeared because of the pandemic. We needed to be able to share all that information to try and get things moving a bit more quickly. And then what that's done is that because we've because we've been able to to introduce new things or um, do more of something, then clinicians are saying, right, we've got this this fantastic thing. We want to audit this or we want to evaluate that. And I think sometimes the, the, the actual principles of audit occasionally get lost because people use the word audit quite <laughs> loosely sometimes. And actually what they're doing is evaluating something they're not auditing because they're not measuring against standards. But But at the same time, there's been an opportunity to provide people with a bit more guidance about the different types of project and give 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 some training. So, yeah, I think there's some innovative stuff that's happened. 
Joanne, any any kind of insight onto the opportunities? I think that's a really interesting word. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with what Charles has said. And also within our um, trust, we've recently merged, as I said, so we've recently joined with another audit team um, based in North West Boroughs and Mid-Mersey Division. So we've learned a lot from working with them. Everyone trust works slightly differently. We've been able to pick up quite a lot of insight from the way they worked and the way they worked through the pandemic as they weren't redeployed the same. So we have picked up quite a lot on that. In our wider team, we fall under the Centre of Perfect Care. So we have a separate quality improvement team. And we also have um, a service valuation lead who's based within the research team. So we are working with our wider team um, to get insights from different areas. And I think obviously widening our network into the division, clinical divisions, but also within our own team of the Centre for Perfect Care, we've been able to, um, as Charlotte said, work digitally and been able to contact maybe more areas than we wouldn't have been able to. And although there is downsides to like homework and I do feel that we have been able to possibly be involved in more meetings and been able to check in with people and pick up on things, especially in terms of the service evaluation. We do support students as well as the junior doctors programme within Mersey Care and throughout the pandemic we noticed that quite a lot of master's students are moving away from the traditional dissertation to want to do a clinical audit instead because it was hard to do research on the wards. You weren't allowed to go on the wards. So that was a shift that we found. We worked closely with Michaela, who's a service evaluation lead, to um, develop different ways of being able to support colleagues and um, support colleagues to continue their education and in that way support everyone to learn and better themselves. Wow. Sorry, I was just picking up on something that, Joanne was just saying that that access actually that's a really big thing that's happened during the pandemic is because we've had to get used to using different ways of communicating with each other so I mean I expect most NHS organizations I think have gone down the route of um, Microsoft Teams but it may it's made so for example our improvement team uh, improvement innovation effectiveness team so so much more accessible and we can get at, we could get out to people in in the remote parts of our of our county so in derbyshire we cover the whole of derbyshire and it's a huge patch mm-hmm. and one of the challenges we have because we're a community organisation is our staff aren't all on one site so we can't you know it's it's difficult to access for, for us to access them and for them to access us and resources ms teams has changed that loads so we can now support more people they can communicate with us when we actually launched um amat and the hand hygiene audit in the summer of 2020 what we did was we set up some virtual training sessions as well and that was a real bonus and we've learned from that and developed that further so the improve, um, improvement innovation and effectiveness team now provide so uh, a, a variety of different training options so we do one-to-one training we can offer um, learn at lunch sessions that we we do regularly now um, we've designed some specific tool training sessions for the learn at lunch and then we're, we're doing a suite at a time and then we're we're um, moving on to the next stages um, with those. We're responding to people's requests and training needs. So it's made us much more accessible, despite the fact that we're all working from home. It, it's yeah. it's amazing. So has that virtual um, approach then, 
has it changed the team dynamics in a positive way or have, can you see any 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 bad side to it it seems really positive it seems wonderful i think initially it was quite difficult because well, I mean, everybody's individual, aren't they? So some people yeah. struggled more with the the working from home, particularly those people who it happened to a bit later. So um, some of our team were redeployed and they were, um, as I mentioned earlier, they were supporting this PPE um, delivery and, and, and actually, so they were still out and about in the county. So they were still seeing human beings um, in 3D um, mm. and, and working working out there with people. And of course, when we came back to the team, we were all pretty much working from home or in an office that wasn't our original office. So it, uh, I think initially people struggled with that sort of feeling sometimes of isolation and lack of um, connection with people, yeah. proper connection, because it, it doesn't feel the same via a screen. Um, but we as a team, I think it's, I think it's testament to, to the, the strength of the team, actually, um, that, and, and the relationships we built prior to the pandemic. We worked that out together um, and worked out, okay, what can we do? How can we support each other? Um, we've worked out some ground rules about how we use teams together so that we're not just landing on each other and, and, and always in there all the time and you feel like you've got to be on alert all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we put in regular what we call a huddle um so we'd have a a couple of times a week we had a drop-in session that was a half hour didn't need to be about work or could be about work but an opportunity and if you could go brilliant if you didn't if you couldn't quite fit it in your diary it didn't matter um but that was an opportunity for people to just have a coffee and a catch-up basically but so we were trying to replicate that kind of <laughs> water cooler conversation, yeah. um, but virtually. And it and it's worked. It's worked really well. And our needs have changed. So gradually, as people have got used to the change in work environment, change in working patterns, realised that we can be a little bit more flexible and nobody's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks, um, and worked out what individually we need and how we work that collectively things have evolved so we no longer have the huddles quite where we had them we've changed that slightly to something a little bit different um so that we're we're constantly not constantly but we're regularly looking looking at and reviewing what we're doing to make sure it's still meeting the needs and we take that approach with audit as well so we're regularly reviewing our audit and going is this still meeting its aims is it still meeting our needs as an organisation? Are we still meeting our requirements for CQC um, uh, and quality schedules, etc.? And and how how are we keeping it proportionate for our staff so we're not adding extra burden unnecessarily? Fantastic! Wow. So this seems to me that there's a, a sense, we, and we often hear the phrase post pandemic. But it's far from clear whether whether this yeah both of you are shaking your heads. Um, so so let's talk about this kind of a, this 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 new stage of a, of of the pandemic perhaps and how how it's changed. So how have you have your staff numbers changed? Have your role types changed? I'm curious about how you've now responded and and what you know now because of this past two years. 
I think it's a challenge for us. Um, obviously, having any new starters in the team, I think that is a challenge. Obviously, as Charlotte said, you know, people that you worked with prior to the pandemic, obviously, you've already built that relationship up with them. Once you've got a new starter in the team and you're all homeworking, it is difficult. And that is a challenge that I feel like is the same across all departments and not um, specific to clinical order. But obviously, with us having our own AMAT system and being super users for the system and, you know, creating all the tools and supporting people on a system, you know, having to be proficient in the system and then training people and then, you know, the, that pays and support and clinical staff can be quite difficult. I think that's why it's really important in terms of the clinical audit team, you know, to have the post of the data analyst um, prior to the pandemic or just as we were starting within the pandemic, um, we created a, a data analyst post within our team, which Kirsty is in that role. And, you know, that's been um, the main, um, you know, way that we have been able to roll AMAT out and been able to keep AMAT going through the pandemic. So I think when I've met with other trusts who use AMAT and we've discussed things, I've always said that the main thing that you do need as a trust is a dedicated person to support the system while you're home working. And as manager, you know, obviously you're there as well. But I do think that is so important because then staff know that there is someone there to support, even though we are at home and we've got that functionality. So I think um, that is the one thing I would say within our team where, where the homeworking can be challenging with a new start in terms of the clinical order. Because if you're going out and showing people how to use the system and you, know, you need to be confident in doing that, and I think for new starters, it's not the same. They can't shadow people, so we're having to look at different ways. So that's a challenge that we're having to overcome. But I think in a way that's good because you know, we do want to be challenged at work and we do want to, you know, improve ourselves and be better. And we always want people to move on and better themselves and the new people will come into the roles. So, you know, we need to work around of how, you know, to develop not just a training package for end users and clinicians for AMA, but also for our own department and our own department to upskill and to be able to, you know, offer that service the same as home as what they'd expect in the office. And I think that's, that's really important because if clinicians are going to use AMAT to the best of their abilities, they're going to get involved in weekly, monthly, quarterly audits, which are mandated on our system for the teams to do. They need to know that someone's going to be there. If they can't log in, they're having problems navigating through the system. And I think that is something that having a data analyst role and then obviously for a new starter to sort of learn off that person, I think that's like particularly important. So I think that's something as like a manager that like I would focus on in terms like the homework and, and new starters because I feel that is like one area where we really need to get it right. And I think you're right, well, once once you get that right, yeah. you've got the best of both worlds, haven't you? Then you've got yeah. that increased accessibility for, to learn from each other and yeah. to see each other's points of view and what and so on, which which increases kind of engagement. Charlotte, anything to add to this? I mean, similar picture. We've had new starters in the team um, within the last couple of years. So uh, we had one of our assistants um, started in January 2021, um, and we had one day. Um, where a couple of us went into the office to meet her socially distanced masks on so we only saw each other's eyes um, 
and uh, and to hand over all her equipment and things um because uh, obviously she needed laptop phone etc um and then we've managed her induction almost entirely virtually um so we'd had as a team collectively we did it as a team approach um and we got the other assistants um involved in you know what do you what would you need um if you were new what what how can we support um our new starter how can we support lauren and um we really thought about how we could do that we involved Lauren, the new new starter, in those conversations once she's joined us, um, we kind of buddied her up with people. So we ha- we had a named buddy um, at least for her first two weeks. We had a timetable, and then so that it was set, and then we kind of rolled that into um, onwards. Um, so she had a named buddy each day. She had a named um, facilitator, happened to be me, um, that she could go to. Um, and between us, you know, we managed managed everything um together and as a team as things have relaxed and we've been able to go into the office a little bit not all of us at once unfortunately but uh um you know we've we've tried to arrange it so that there's never only one person there on their own if they if they don't want to be you know we can say oh I'm going in this on this date does anybody else want to join me and that's been really really good and we've continued that we've had a new facilitator start in August last year um, and we took a similar approach so had a day in the office with her handing over equipment basic just new day first day stuff um, and then we've we've used a similar approach so buddied up um, had regular check-ins um, and supported and, and and tried to do so the shadowing thing is more difficult virtually but yeah. we've tried to 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 do it in some way because a lot of what we're doing now has gone virtual it's it's made it a lot easier um and introducing people to different meeting different other teams that we work with we've tried to link in with their their team meetings and and that sort of thing so yeah similar sort of sort of um issues but we've worked together to try and try and resolve them one of the things we've also done as a team is um taken the opportunity to look at our roles and one of the things that I think it's been an ongoing conversation um, nationally around audit and clinical audit professionals is that there isn't really um, a framework in this for, for what the role should look like um, so every organization seems to do it slightly differently um, and has their team set up slightly differently and has slightly different roles within the team and that you know then different bandings depending you know on on sometimes on what words are in the job title um so we've taken the opportunity to actually develop our own competency pathways um within our team so we've we've designed our own competency frameworks for each of the different roles within the team worked together supported each other and we're using them to help support our new starters now as well so we'd got that to a stage where we could say right this is this is what the expectation is as a team we've all agreed you know it's not a it's not a stick to beat you with or anything like that it's more of a kind of evolving framework to say you know are we meeting the needs and the requirements of the job because our job has jobs have changed a lot because of the pandemic and and how we I think or maybe it would have changed anyway but I think it's accelerated it a bit um so 
yeah, I think it's it's helped to have that that framework to follow and and to design and then to follow. So I mean, this 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 actually is absolutely fascinating because one thing I'd like I'd like to kind of start to wrap up on, but the lessons learned, the lessons learned, and your priorities. How have they? What, what have you learned, and how have the priorities have changed? I think the priorities have changed as in like what Charlotte said. We don't know if our jobs would have changed anyway over time um, from the um, traditional clinical order manager role. I think since procuring I'm at, we've um, got a wide uh, range of ward and area audits, which are like monthly and quarterly complaints audits. And they were always going on within the organisation, but they were just going on in small um, pockets like Excel spreadsheets. And now they're all um, visible and they're all um, the results are visible and we can work on them to complete it every month. So I think that's like a real positive to come out of the pandemic that we're moving um, towards, you know, looking at different things and looking at what teams maybe want to focus on as well as the mandated stuff. I think there is some... Um, was obviously a big focus on IPC, but I think there's also focuses on things that, you know, where did these results go? And I think, you know, because our priorities have changed as a trust and as a team, I think it's moving away from, as Charlotte said, just to take back exercise. Like if we're collecting data, where does it actually go? And I think having the system where people can see, you know, how well teams perform and, and we can work on it a lot more. I think that has changed what we do. As a team, I think the junior doctors order programme has had to change because their education has had to change slightly with the pandemic. So obviously we've just got to keep moving with the times and moving with different things. Obviously we've still got the national audits and the priority ones and twos, must twos that we've got to do. But I think in our team, we now cover so much more. You know, we do privacy audits and we're involved in the CQC self-assessments, which aren't traditional audit work. And I think we've moved away from just being clinical audit to a much um, wider remit over time. And I think that's partially due to the pandemic, but also think it's partially due to having the system. And I think maybe the pandemic has accelerated what we would have hoped to have got to at some point anyway. I think as Charlotte has said, as major look about the roles in the team, and as I constantly say, without our data analyst, I don't think we will progress as much. Prior to the pandemic, you know, we didn't have a data analyst within the team. That role was sort of getting done, but it wasn't like a formalised role. And I think that's been so important um, for us to have that role. And when you're speaking to other organisations, most organisations now, I know Charlotte mentioned to have an analyst role and I think that's not something that was traditionally within the clinical audit team so I think we need to move our teams with the times and you know with what people want and be um, innovative as much as we can and laying off other organisations and within our own organisation to make us think of what we want the team to look like and what support we want to offer to people and that we're able to offer to our trust. Wow. Charlotte, anything to add to that? Um, I think that's a really good summary. I, mm. I think actually that the, the pandemic hasn't caused the change. I think perhaps we were already on that journey, but maybe it's accelerated it and in some cases facilitated it. Mm. Um, but we've moved definitely away from just audit and our role is evolving. And as an organisation, we're trying to embed a culture of improvement. So we're moving away from um data just for data more towards 
audit for improvement um, and identifying improvement. Um, and that's definitely the direction of travel. And I think the, um, the pandemic has facilitated that quite a lot because it's made us look at, right, what's important? Um, what do we need to be doing? What's going to add benefit? What's going to add value? Um, so the learning from us, for us has been around supporting those conversations about why and what's going to add value and is it proportionate and how is this, how or where can we find the improvement here and how can we support the improvement? Um, and, you know, we've already talked about, I suppose, learning the, the innovations that we've picked up as well as services have in terms of our roles and our um, using digital um, solutions rolling out um different ways of teaching and training and supporting people making uh, making those things more accessible recording sessions that's something we're starting to do as well because people are saying we want bite size we want things that we can access really quickly we don't want to know where it is that kind of thing so um yeah we're, we're that's that's a big learning for us and and changing a, a lot our roles have changed in that we're we're less taking on the audits ourselves yeah. and more supporting the services to deliver it themselves um and we're becoming much more facilitating that and yes providing expertise where that's appropriate so as um, joanne's alluded to data analysts we've been very fortunate to have two data analysts in our team um for some time now utilizing their skills in yeah. in the most efficient and effective way and 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 building on the skills within the team definitely well i think that's a fantastic upbeat point to to leave uh, our time today on this podcast i'll just say thank you both of you it's been absolutely amazing to listen to you and your experiences and what you've learned and and hopefully our, our listeners will will either chime in with with comments about how they agree or pick up ideas from you both and and take it into their own kind of work if any listeners out there would like to join me in a future episode, then you can email me, podcast at amat.co.uk. And it's a platform, I can't say this enough, it's a platform for absolutely anybody involved in clinical audit. You don't have to have AMAT. Just come along and talk about the things that interest you and that, that you want to celebrate in your, in your job. So please subscribe and share wherever you can as well. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you to my guests. <music>